things are about to get really real, like uncomfortably real. And so before that happens, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who showed up on social media, gave us a follow, commented. It's so nice to see your little avatar and your thoughts on the episode. And it's a huge part of what makes me feel like what we're doing here is important and valued. So if you could take a second to like us on social media, Instagram and Facebook are our favorites. Our handle is the same as our website at hellohumans.co. I don't know why I said at. Our handle is hellohumans.co for Instagram and Facebook. And once we get 10,000 Instagram followers, we can actually put links on our stories, which would be great. To our patrons who are actually financially supporting this program, thank you. Wow, it was amazing to get new patrons this week and to see that some patrons adjusted their pledge. Some went up. One person went from 5 to 50 a month. One person went from 10 to 4. And whether you're scaling either way, it's so nice to see that you're still engaged. And so contribute whatever is comfortable. It can seriously be a dollar a month. If all our listeners contributed a dollar a month, we'd already have the video program that I want to make. And so if that's something you're into is helping support us and helping us keep going, please go to patreon.com slash hello human. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash hello human. I've heard it can be kind of unintuitive, but stick with it because it's going to help us to keep going. I want to give a quick trigger warning that there is talk of suicide and depression in this episode. And so if that's not something you want to hear, um, this episode you might want to skip. We all come with some extra stuff that we wish we didn't. It's easy to feel different, like these things that make us feel different hold us back from truly being the people we want to be and doing the things that we want to do. And no matter what your personal stuff you come with is, you may feel alone, you may feel weighed down, but you aren't. You truly aren't. Three weeks ago, I woke up and instantly knew something was wrong. I felt like an elephant was standing on my chest, that there was no point in doing anything, and that I was a failure. And I knew I was in another bout of depression. I had no way of knowing it at the time, but that seemingly unjustified depression would soon have everything it needed to justify and sustain itself. Huge unexpected bills, my father being sick, my car getting hit and run, and most recently, and most painfully, my long-term girlfriend splitting up with me. And it gives new meaning to the cliche line, when it rains, it pours. It's easy to enjoy the good times of life. It's easy to sit back and breathe easy. But the reason I try to practice the things we've talked about here on this program for moments like this. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where the decision to push through or give in is determined. And this is another opportunity to look back one day and say, I did it and I'm battle tested. Since some of these episodes were recorded before these events that were impossible to predict, there's going to be some alternate timelines and some weird moments when I speak about things as they were when they were recorded. And I hope that there will be something helpful in listening to my next journey. Hope that if you're in your own struggles, you can join me and know that we are both going to have to endure. But the real question is, whatever you're carrying today, whatever's currently going on in your life, no matter how fucked and doomed you feel, what are you going to do despite it? Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show up and stand tall and be really kind to myself. And remember that at my core, I'm a really incredible human who gets lost from time to time. And for all those things that come with the package, like having a kind of funky brain, I'm just going to come as I am and do my best. Our guest today is Aparna Nancherla, stand-up comedian, actor. You may have seen her on Comedy Central's show Corporate. But she's here today because she brought her sweet, shy, introverted self, who also battles with depression, right to the center stage and lets that message that could have easily hid from the spotlight shine through to those of us who need to hear it. This is the How to Human podcast, a production of Hello Humans. My name is Sam Lamont, and here is my conversation with Aparna Nancherla. Sam is here. 
Oh, hello there. <laughs> this, I know you're so conditional. This, very well dressed well, today. Wedding, right? This must be embarrassing for you. <laughs> I know. I thought you got the memo. This was a black tie podcast. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no, I'm going to a wedding directly after this. Um, all right, I'll talk to you guys. Bye, Meg. Bye. So I hope you don't mind if we just jump right in. No, not at all. Let's do it. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Uh, normally, I would uh, read your book and dive right in, but most of your work is on video. It's what true. I, what I could digest. So that's yeah, a nice video, treat. Yeah, video, internet, all digitally accessible. And I, I do feel like I'm flying in a little bit blind. Oh, that's uh, okay. Which is great. I actually love it. And it leaves room for good surprises. Sure. Also, not having a list of, of pre- pre-prepared structure oh the way okay yeah I, i'm yeah. a control person so so is, you're used to having that yeah script this is a nice break cool uh so for anyone that that doesn't know you mm -hmm. who are you um well my name is aparna nancherla and i would say i'm a comedian and in the broader sense writer actress uh stand-up performer based in new york yeah nice I kind of got the vibe that you're a shy person. Is, I am. Is that fair to that say? That is very accurate. Some people get offended. Oh, really? I, used, I, used, I was a really shy kid. But you didn't like being called shy. I did not like being I called mean, shy. I mean, it definitely leaves you at a loss of how to respond. Because when people say you're shy, there's nothing. You can't be like, yes, I am. <laughs> like, there's no way to own it very empoweringly uh thank you yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're very observant so how as a shy person how did it make any sense to do comedy well it's interesting because i do feel like in comedy people either tend towards being kind of larger than life or like very big personalities or more introverted and sort of in their heads and i definitely tend toward the latter and i think that is because at least for maybe a lot of creative pursuits, but especially for comedy, you have to be kind of hyper-observant of the world around you. And I think as an introvert, you're used to that speed. So you just are constantly looking at people and situations and you're kind of like, why did that person do that thing the way they did? And I think if you're used to sort of absorbing everything in your environment, which I am, I feel like a sponge a lot of the time, it came naturally to be like, point out absurdities that I noticed and like how people behaved or things that struck me weird on a day-to-day -day basis. I can totally relate. I, yeah. I was, I almost didn't talk until like fourth grade. Oh, wow. I was yeah. horribly shy, at least at school. Yes. And I feel like I am so good at body language because my right? whole younger life was about like observing, mm -hmm. like where's the bully? Who's he going towards? Yeah. Danger, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh oh, girls are coming, hide. Right, you know? right, right. Uh, yeah. You're just like, you're always in that mode of just sussing out your environment pretty keenly. Yeah. It's yeah. taken a while, but I've come to love my sensitivity. Yeah. Least, yeah. I know. I still feel like as an adult kind of, and I've talked to friends about this who sort of operate the same way, but just a little bit too sensitive or you're just like overly stimulated very easily i mean in new york it's hard to avoid but loud noises or like if someone comes in with a very like you know aggressive energy like it's hard to not be affected by all those things yeah i haven't met many comedians in my natural habitat mm. and so it's interesting to get to meet comedians yeah i'm not sure if that's totally accurate but it feels like on my part that as far as all creative pursuits go, mm -hmm. it feels like comedians pretty high up there that it is a really crazy dream to go after. Yeah, I think it definitely is a more unusual pursuit and a very specific, especially stand, the world of stand-up is pretty specific and it's such a specific art form in, in how it, it, the audience, like you're going for a very specific reaction. But... For me, at least, I mean, I know a lot of people kind of grow up watching a lot of comedy and they have that dream early on, but I sort of stumbled into it later. So I think maybe it was different for me in that sense of I didn't even realize it was something you could 
pursue as a career goal until I had started it. And even then, like, I was like, well, I don't know how far I'll actually even be able to go with this. So it was very step by step for me of seeing where I was and then being like, okay, is it realistic to to keep going with this? I guess in in that sense, I also like to have a sense of control over what I'm doing. <laughs> Did it feel realistic? Um, I think it feels realistic in the sense that you're always, I think I've always had a pretty wild imagination and like dream, dreamt on the bigger scale of things of like, oh, what if I went all the way with this? But then I think also having a pretty active like inner critic and like real realism voice of being like, well, is that actually within the realm of possibility? Yeah, my my realism voice and my inner critic, are, yeah. they're the same exact voice. Right, right. So it's hard to suss out which one's oh, which. Oh, of course, yeah. And uh, normally if it's saying give up, <laughs> right. go find a job. Yeah. I know it's not, uh, I no, know it's the for critic. Sure. Yeah. So what'd you do before comedy? Like you said, you stumbled on it. So what's, what was the journey? How did you end up here? Yeah. So I, I mean, I was interested in it. I think my interest started in high school was when to kind of on a very small level, I, my mom had, had me take like, partly because of my shyness had my sister and I take public speaking classes to like be better at giving speeches I guess uh that's a mom thing I know to have like a skill uh, of that kind but I remember I did like some kind of speech competition in my community and then I ended up winning it but I think part of that was just because I wrote like a funny speech and I think everyone else went for the more sort of sincere gravitas approach so I think just by virtue of being different, I like sort of gave myself an edge. But I think that was the f- really the first time I stood in front of a group of people and made them laugh and was like, oh, I kind of like this, like there's something here. And then so it, it kind of that set the initial spark. And then I think after that, when I did like class presentations and stuff, I always sort of went for jokes over being serious. And then I think I still didn't know like that it was something you could make into a career or like how you would even go about doing that. So I think even in college, maybe I tried stand up when I was home for the summer and I like wrote for a humor magazine at school, but I still was like, it felt a little bit like I didn't quite know how to get myself where I wanted to be. Like, I think I applied for some internships at like the daily show or like different comedic outlets, but it felt like I didn't maybe have the experience that other kids looking to do the same thing had to back up like these opportunities. So I, I think I sort of was back at square one and I was like, well, I graduated from college and I still don't really know what I want to do. Maybe I'll pursue journalism. Like I liked writing. And then I think stand up was something where I could do it on my own and sort of call the shots of like how often I would go do a show or like what my material would be like I had full control over everything so that was really how I got my start and how I sort of gained momentum because at least in the beginning you're your own gatekeeper of like how much you want to go like how much you want to go do it and how much you want to work on it and make it a part of your life so I think that is nice as a creative starting out where it feels like you have more um, autonomy than maybe in some other fields like yeah I, I totally when you said you wanted to study journalism yeah I feel like I, I studied design at oh, first yeah uh, like product design mm-hmm. and it felt like well I get to be creative but it's also employable right and then at some point I hit that threshold where it's like fuck it I need to do yeah this I need to do what my heart is is saying I know there are a lot of jobs where it's like Obviously, they're real jobs that people are very good at what they do, but they also just sound like things you say when people are like, what are you pursuing? And like journalism seemed like it was like a thing people do that people aren't going to be like, what? what, what's that? Because I think when you're starting out and you're like, oh, I'm pursuing comedy, people kind of double take a little and they're like, what does that even mean? Yeah, like yeah. I, I know a bunch of people who went to law school because mm-hmm. They would make money going oh, to law yeah. school. But I also know people who their inner calling 
was to practice law. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of, it's a mix, but boy, yeah, the people who wanted to practice law are the lucky ones. Oh, you know, yeah. That's, that still did it. No, because I had a, a day job for, and day jobs for a long time. And I think I was always jealous of people where I was like, oh, this is the end of the road for them. Like this is, they are where they want to be. And, you know, they might want to like climb up the ladder more in terms of promotion. But for the most part, they're like, this is what I enjoy doing. And, yeah, yeah, there are some people that are really comfortable mm -hmm. and okay with that. I envied that too because yeah. it's like they, they work, they get off at four or five yeah. and they kick their shoes off and then the rest of the time is theirs. Right. Whereas if you're, especially a creative, but if you're really going for your own thing, it's kind of like, when do you stop? Do you stop at six? I know. And my, my boundaries are getting better, but in the beginning it was like, I can't stop, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's hard because you feel like you can always be working and it's hard sometimes to justify saying no to things or making that boundary of like, well, now I'm going to go, you know, watch a movie or something like it, especially when you're starting, it feels like you just have to say yes to everything and be a person later or something. I uh, deduced <laughs> from watching your comedy that uh, you struggled with mental illness. Mm -hmm. Me too. I'm part of the tribe. Ah. And I was wondering, are you comfortable talking about that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So how did that play a role in the whole scheme of things from from growing up as a child if it was present there to how I mean it seems like you've found a way to live with it well. yeah I mean I think for me it is interesting because it almost mirrored my creative journey in that I wasn't officially diagnosed with depression until I was in college and it was kind of like it had built up and I had been having like problems with eating and like to the point where I had to like take time off of school and then that ended up just being a mask for like uh, having problems with depression and some anxiety and I think when I was able to like put words to that it kind of opened up this whole part of myself that I feel like I hadn't even acknowledged before where I thought I think at first I thought and I'm sure this is common for people or kids who grew up with like maybe some mental illness like you just think that's how everyone's brain is because you don't have like a compar comparison <laughs> yeah. or like same with like your family situation you just think that's the default for everyone but I forget that there's well-adjusted people yeah <laughs> like I, I mean I don't even yeah now I'm kind of like are there like what does that even look like it just seems like everyone knows their own kind of dysfunction but um yeah I think I it was like giving voice to having depression and being like oh this is actually something you can get help for and there's a different way that you can like even just be in the world like that I think gave me the initial boost to try comedy in the first place because I think it was sort of that initial high of being on antidepressants where I was kind of like I can do anything that was such a lift from where I had been previously that that I think it made me take risks I might not have otherwise and then the longer I did comedy, I think in some ways it's an industry where I think it's very bad for your mental health. Like I think it... it I mean, the depressed <laughs> comic is so cliche. Yeah. <laughs> and well, just, yeah, even uh, being an artist in general, like there's just so much rejection. It's a very erratic lifestyle. Like it's just can be very triggering for someone who has sort of a depressive, anxious mindset. So I think in in that sense, it's been a love-hate relationship with like comedy and, and depression where I'm sort of resentful sometimes of having my brain but then at the same time like it allows me to see the world in a specific way which I am grateful for because it helps me like write about it and and then only in the past few years have I like actively started talking about mental health in my comedy explicitly. I'm so glad you did. Oh, yeah. thanks. I, I feel the same way where it's like sometimes you're at that point where you're so exhausted that you just want a different reality in terms of brain chemistry. For sure. And when somebody comes along, depression's one of those funny things where if you mention it, everyone becomes a doctor. Like, you know. Oh, right. And there's, you know, God, I mean, when the secret was a thing, that was horrible oh, for me. Because they just be like, just was... think happy thoughts. I know. You know 
you fuck you. You know, it's like people you love that are trying, they're genuinely want to help, but it's like, it's okay that you don't have the answer, you know? Right. I was just telling you because you asked how I'm doing. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't expect you to fix me. And uh, when it comes to getting help, it is such a slow process. It's very slow, and I feel like there's a lot of trial and error, and it's hard to, at least for me, it felt like sometimes it's hard to feel justified in not being able to, like, show up to the things you need to because you're like, I'm not sick like I can walk around I can like go about the world I there's nothing like physically wrong with me so sometimes it's insidious in that way where it's almost like this isn't the depression this is just like you you know you're just weak compared to everyone else but it's very tricky that that's like part of it (laughs) yeah I spent so long fighting it Mm -hmm. and so it was like I can do this. So right. exercise and diet and yeah. this and that. And then I ended up getting clean and sober. And then at right. four years, I just, I had that moment where you just go, okay, I surrender. Right. You know, and right. Um, gosh, I found a, a medication that just makes my mom and my girlfriend love me more because oh. <laughs> I'm much more pleasant to be around. Right. But they are non narcotic. So they take six oh. weeks to work. Right. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. Right. They take six weeks to work. And the ones that don't work, don't work in catastrophic ways i don't know if you had that experience yeah yeah but it was such a a give and take and so yeah just to go back i'm sorry i'm i'm scattered i'm a little no no a little tired but at what point did you you just incorporated mental illness into your routine Mm -hmm. and what made it feel right for me it was more out of like functionality than really uh epiphany of any sort because I was actually struggling with depression and having funnily enough like a medication issue where it seemed like the ones I was on just weren't effective the same way they had been so I was sort of struggling and not able to really work creatively and I think I just started writing about that just by virtue of the fact that I wasn't able to write about anything else at that time and not even with the goal of putting it on stage but I think I just did it on stage because I hadn't written anything else recently (laughs) and and uh I think it resonated with people in a way that I wasn't expecting because until then I had you know looked up to a lot of comics who talk pretty openly about it and I sort of had thought the issue had been covered thoroughly enough by people who were like better equipped in with it than me so I didn't think I had anything to add, but but I think I was surprised when I talked about it, just how many people were like, hey, I really related to that thing you said. And yeah, I think it sort of made me more aware, too, of just how many people might be dealing with it that you have no idea. Yeah, I, yeah. I think the way it mixes with the rest of your being and public persona, which is basically exactly identical to the person I'm speaking to right now. Right, 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 right. But, you know, there's... There's people who can talk about anything. Nothing's off limits. It's mm-hmm. very exhibitiony, and it's I love that as yeah. well. But I think there's something nice about you know you seem like you have pretty clear boundaries with what you want to talk about, what you don't, right? And it's not here's everything going on with me. And so when you right. when you do talk about it, it's like very intentional, and it's very it's almost like it wouldn't even need to be funny for people to just be like, wow, oh, yeah. You oh, know? interesting. It, yeah. For, yeah. for me, it's just nice to hear people say it and, right. you know, that feeling of, oh, I'm not alone. I think it's really easy for all of us to feel like unique and special. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I've had all these crazy things happen in my life. You right, know? right, right. Nobody knows. Yeah. And then so when somebody says, you know, like they have mental illness or yeah. they're also a college dropout or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's just like, thank you. You know, right. As a comedian, so I do have a lot of friends who are also creatives, and um, I noticed that a trend is like when you're finished with it, you have something to kind of show. Mm. You hate it. You're like, right, this is right. awful. Probably. Do you find do you find your jokes funny, or they do you try them and then go, oh yeah, that's funny. It, it's interesting because I think I am similar to yeah, maybe other comedians in that like. The point of stand-up is, like, it should seem 
you know, impromptu in the delivery, but obviously it's something you've been workshopping pretty carefully for the most part. So it's almost like when it's officially done, you're so tired of having done it that you're like ready to never have it to say it again. So that is like kind of the irony of it. It's like when it's perfect, you like hate it probably the most you've ever hated it. But I don't know if that's similar to authors because I know when people write books, they spend so much time with it. They're like, they're like I never want to look at this again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and if you're doing anything uh, graphic design related, the words start looking misspelled. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> like, you just like, looked at it for so long. Is that how you spell long. book? Right, <laughs> you know, right, like right. The simplest things. And you can't see it the with those fresh eyes. Because I, I think comedians, like you, someone was asking me, it's like, when do you get tired of telling a joke? And it it is really like sad the window get, has gotten so small where it's almost like, when it's new and then like three times later, then I'm like, okay, I don't like this anymore. Do you keep telling it or do you? Yeah. I mean, that's when you, that's when you really have to start doing the work and digging into like, what is interesting about this? How can I build on this? But really that novelty is like my favorite part. And that, that part is the shortest lived, I think. Yeah. There's something so professional in hindsight when you're doing something for your craft that you don't want to do, mm-hmm. you know, when it's the not fun parts, like right. traveling or, you know, being yeah. in different cities all the time. But I think it's helpful. I think it's really part of, right. It makes you realize how committed you are to it. And I think I have, I think it's taken me a long time to acknowledge that all of that is still work. Like the, the past year I think was the most I've ever traveled and, and toured in one year and I think it was just so draining but I had such a hard time counting like being in airports and stuff as like work I was like but I wasn't doing anything I was just like moving myself to another (laughs) location but like why am why is my brain so fried yeah it's it's odd because I think my my idea of what work is was so indoctrinated early as like you sit in front of a desk you write you have your start product and your end product like anything outside of that I have such a hard time being like no answering emails is work oh I struggle with that (laughs) yeah Yeah, there's a bunch of people who are going yeah Sam (laughs) yeah totally right now I mean to gosh I just hate email I know I think I hate having email on my phone though too oh it's the worst I'm so over sometimes I wish I can like unread an email yeah, because I opened it by accident. I'm like, you you knew you shouldn't have read it. You should have waited, and now it's in your head. Yeah, have you? I mean, you must have. When you get to that point where you just feel like, man, what you know, what's my future in this? Mm-hmm. Especially earlier on, like, can I really do this? And you have that that voice in your head that says, you need to quit. You need to cut your losses. You know, yeah. you're just getting older. What were those moments like for you? And how did you carry? Th- I know so many really talented people who. At some point, just decided I need to to quit. You know, this is a pipe dream. Yeah, and and it's like gone forever. It's not like oh, they stop they stopped doing it professionally and now they just do it for fun. It's like right, just they just killed it. You know, they didn't want it to exist because it's painful. Oh, interesting. Yeah, um, like they didn't want even a reminder of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I still feel like I think about quitting regularly like it's never yeah. not an option <laughs> like I think I it's just always a part of my brain or uh, and I guess it's like the same thing this is like a lot more morbid but with like suicidal thoughts or something where sometimes when I was on medication where it's like for some reason that it would lead to having more suicidal thoughts which yeah, sounds too. counterintuitive but to me, it would almost be like a release valve where when things got really bad, I could at least just like have this little fantasy of like ending it all and not not in any way where I was like, oh, I'm actually going to hurt myself. But it would just be like a little daydream in the back of my head. Like, oh, if I wanted, I could just like hit the quit button and get away from all of this. Like, And I think in the same sense, like quitting comedy is just like something I have where it helps me not fully only define myself through comedy because I think that's like when I get into trouble is like I 
I separate doing comedy from my personhood. Like, I think I need that distinction to not get like so caught up in the highs and lows. Yeah. 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 Highs and lows and praise and then criticism. Yeah. 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 And it's really easy to get. We never look at the average, at least I never look at the average and just right. go, this is great. You know, yeah. uh, it's always like when you're in the low, it's the end of the world. Oh, my God. And, it's the uh, worst. Every time I get through it and then I get back to a high, I'm just so grateful. I know. Yeah. And so I wrote a piece on, on suicide. And so I, I'm totally, yeah. again, one, one of your people. Right, right. <laughs> and um, yeah, for me, it's never been, I, I guess I've been fortunate. It's never been where I got close to enacting it. Right. But it's been a real, like I've come to, thanks to therapy, I've come to recognize it as a real, you know, suicidal ideation. Right. And it's just like existing can be exhausting yeah. at times. And so it's more just like, hey, I wish I could just like not be here for blank a year. I wish I could teleport to a year from right, now. Right, right. <sighs> so, yeah, it's like that thing. I don't think we do it here, but maybe in Europe or something, they have that like gap year. <laughs> like I wish you could just do a gap year from like your life. <laughs> I would love to do a gap <laughs> just, year. Just like be in a void. A couple, a year ago or so, I would love to just do a gap year. Yeah. I even bought a ticket to like go to Rome and stuff. And then I just said, I can't oh, do this. You know? It's so yeah. Hard. It's so hard. Yeah. Depression stuff because there's, you know, there's great things you can do to live well with it. Mm -hmm. But there's the inevitable, it's going to come, you know, at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, um, now I'm at a place where I'm kind of like, I am past. Believing that it's like, you know, something that can be cured for me personally. Like, I think it's just something that's going to be regular part of my life. But it's, I guess it's like not only like building your whole worldview around like when you might go into another rut. Yeah. No, yeah. You, you just wait until it yeah, happens. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It, yeah. For me too. It can't be cured, but it can, I can do things that manage it better. Yeah. Like, the best strategy I've come up with so far is like when I'm really depressed, not to break routine. Mm, so it's yeah. like if I am into exercise at that point, keep exercising. Totally. Not judging myself to how I would exercise, not depressed. Right. right. But uh, because then when you come out of it, you've kind of given yourself the gift. Yeah. You know, and you're like, wow, I'm not out of shape or, you know, right. I've actually gotten some work done. Yeah. Yeah. I, couldn't find it i was i was looking around for it. a friend of mine who just loves your work said that you really did a bunch of great work about loneliness a while back huh is that <laughs> i'm like i did yeah. <laughs> i'm not sure maybe i don't know if i if it was in stand-up or yeah i don't know okay are you uh, in a relationship i am now but i wasn't for a couple of years so maybe i Maybe I wrote stuff around that. But yeah, I for me, it's weird because I feel like loneliness is still it feels like a part of being human and not even always something to do with like your relationships. Yeah, you yeah. can have great friends yeah. and a great community yeah. and still feel really alone. Yeah. Yeah. Is it OK to talk about your relationship? Yeah. OK, cool. So is your partner also a creative or? He is. He's not in comedy. He works in book publishing, and I think he works on uh, the more production side. So he works with authors and, and sort of copy edits and manages and edits the production of books. So I think, I don't know, is that creative adjacent or is that creative? <laughs> I never know what is. I think it's creative. Yeah. Maybe I mean, not. he has his own press, too, so I think that is definitely more his like like letter press his own like independent press like oh, he cool. works for a publishing house but then he has his own like him soliciting and like publishing his own stuff yeah awesome so you have to travel a lot that's just part of the yeah. occupational hazards mm -hmm. and how are you showing up for your partner in in the periods that you can be there and is there ever conflict over that or yeah i think that is has been our biggest like hurdle of uh We've been together now just coming up on a year and a half, so it's still pretty new. And I think that managing when I'm away has been the probably the most cause of conflict between us where it's like, 
you know, just managing to spend enough time together, like checking in regularly. I am self-admittedly very bad at long distance stuff. So I have to like actively work against my impulses to just get very sucked into wherever I'm at and like forget about checking in and all of that. Me too. It's like I'm, I do what's in front of me. Yeah. And so when I travel, gosh, I've really, you know, I've really hurt, uh, my my girlfriend mm-hmm, by mm-hmm. just forgetting to call yeah. you know and it's like I mean well like of course yeah of course I want to call and so it it is tough you know? yeah and, and when when you travel it's like they're part of them is paying the consequence of right. your career you know and so right what do you do to I think things we worked on I mean I think he didn't really like FaceTime, but we found that at least when we check in and can like see each other's faces, that's generally better than just the phone. But yeah, just like I think also sometimes it's just little things like if you see something that the other person would appreciate, like sending it along. I I guess just keeping the like communication line open as much as like making sure you have like very, you know, high quality in-depth conversation. It's more just like making sure the other person knows you're like thinking about them or want to see how they're doing, even if, and some of that is like you were saying before with, with um, the depression stuff, like just showing up, even if you, you might, you know, be distracted or, or not have the impulse to call, just calling anyway. And then at least like, that is something like I think sometimes I get caught up in like, oh, but it's not authentic if I'm just calling for the sake of calling. But I think being an adult and like being in a relationship, sometimes it is not a, always about what you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The strategy that's working the best for me this year in 2018 mm-hmm. is uh, tweeted this once is true love is admitting you're wrong even when you think you're right. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah, if I'm just going off the way I think things are and the way I think the world should work right. and the way I think this relationship should be, I get in a lot of trouble really quick and I end up not being the partner I want to be. Right. As opposed to, you know, like just as an example, and this is a bad one, but I like a really clean sink mm. and I like a, a really clean dish rack. Yeah. And so like, I've dated somebody before that just wasn't a dishwasher. Right. And I just wanted her to be. <laughs> and when it was over and all said and done, what I'm carrying with me in this relationship is like, you know, if you like a clean sink, you do the dishes. Right. You know, like you do them because you don't like it either or you don't like the feeling of doing someone else's dishes, but you just do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then it turns out that you have totally forgotten all the things they do. Right, <laughs> right, thing, right, right. That if, you know, that I've, uh, I'm dating a really awesome person who just doesn't mention it. Yeah, and yeah. And so the second, every time I get upset about something, oh, she's man. like, well, what about this, this, right. and this? Like, I don't mean to keep score, but right, like, you right, know, it's right. like, oh gosh, what a, what a jerk I, <laughs> I can know. be. Yeah. Oh, Sam. Oh, buddy. That is uh, painful to listen to, but we chose to leave that in because this project's really dedicated to the real human experience, and I have to be included in that. And, you know, sometimes it means making mistakes and having regrets and wishing you did things differently. And uh, sometimes it means unknowingly describing future reasons that you're uh, the person you love and uh, broke up with you. And, uh, So at the very least, um, pay attention and listen and love the people you love because what seems small to you can be big to them. And, uh, oh, well, this is supposed to be a pitch for how you can support us. There's three easy ways. You can write us a review on iTunes. You can follow us on social media. And that way you can know if there's a new episode or if I need a mental health week. And you can support us financially through Patreon, um, which, you know, it'd be great if resources to produce this content weren't one of the things I have to worry about right now. Um, Yeah, it's all 
written or said somewhere. And uh, let's just get back to the show. It's so easy to get caught up in like your own bullshit, I guess. I, cause I feel like that all the time. And, and I also remind myself that even when I'm on my own, I'll do things that like, contradict what's good for me or like what I need in that moment so I'm like bring another person into it it's just gonna be compounded like there's no reason I should be right all the time I'm not even good at predicting my own needs (laughs) (laughs) oh so you're at you're at this place where you're getting a ton of positive feedback from Mm -hmm. the community from just people who who love comedy yeah and as you continue to develop new content yeah. or even, you know, things that are less like you act and you write as well, mm-hmm. what do you want to carry with you going forward? Like what's kind of the the guiding principle of what's next or why you keep doing this or? Yeah. I mean, I think it is funny because when you start, you sort of your marker of success, like when I started was like, oh, I just want to be able to support myself doing this full time. That's like my goal. And then when you meet that goal, you're kind of like, okay, now I need a new goal or like a new marker for myself. And right now I think what it has been is like only saying yes to like projects that I feel like align with what I want to do and what I want to put out in the world and saying no to things where I I feel like either people are taking advantage of me or maybe they don't reflect really my my interests or priorities. And I guess it sounds like maybe it's not a huge goal, but for me it's been so hard to say no to things. I was just going to say that's a hard goal, (laughs) saying no. Yeah. Especially uh, your work, if it's not just a given that you continue to make Mm -hmm. money, you have to keep hustling, keep working, keep developing new content. Yeah. And so saying no is really tough because there's financial insecurity. Yeah. Even if you're doing really well, it's like. No, totally. You don't just get checks in the mail. Yeah, yeah. If you had a bad month or a good month, you just collect a check. And and you're like, it's like. You put money away for retirement and all that. So Yeah. And it's, I think that principle of feast or famine where you're like, yeah, this is going well now, but it can just as quickly dry up. So I need to make sure I'm being vigilant about that. Yeah. So I think in that sense, every time you say no, you're kind of like, am I shutting a door that I need? I don't know. You mentioned uh, like you want to say yes to projects that really line up with what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, what 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 do you want to do? Like, what's the reason you're going forward? What's the. Well, I think for myself, at least, I've always had a sensibility that's been, you know, very attuned with like myself personally and it's a pretty specific POV and I think at first I was kind of obviously when you're starting out in a field you have to kind of get yourself in a bigger playing field and I've like written for shows and written for other people and I think I sort of landed at the fact that I have a harder time writing for other people and I have kind of a specific voice and I think at first it was something I felt insecure about where I was like, oh, maybe I'm not good at comedy. I'm just good at like this very one specific niche persona. But now I've sort of moved to a place where I'm like, well, if this is what I'm good at, I should really try to capitalize on on that because that's like what I have going for me. So I think it is developing projects where I can more just be myself and create things that I want to see in the world rather than trying to like fit into like a pre-imposed formula. Yeah. What do you want to put out into the world? Uh, Like I think just to develop shows that I would want to watch and like I did a web series with my friend Joe Firestone that was like very weird and surrealistic but people really responded to it in a way that we didn't predict but I think that reaffirmed my idea that it's like oh if you make stuff you're excited about it is it will show in the product yeah my my big barometer is when I'm so excited to share what I have that I basically want to give it away for free right I know I'm doing something you know yeah I know I'm on the right path is that I know I still have trouble too with that whole like monetizing stuff like I do just want to like 
because I I spend a lot of time on Twitter and I know a lot of comedians are like, why would you give away like jokes for free? But I think I, I just don't think about it that I'm, way. I'm Where, the worst business person. I know. I, I yeah. I it takes me so much. It takes me an extra step to be like, oh, I should have been paid for that. <laughs> I don't know why. I think I just I've never been good in the business sense. Yeah, I get like weirdly idealistic where mm-hmm. it's like, I don't want ads. I know, you know I like, know. But everyone, people I know, and even people who have just enjoyed the content. Yeah. Have all individually said like, do what you need to do to yeah. survive. Like, you know, it's not selling out or no, no. Uh, I haven't used any of the money coming in for myself because I'm like afraid to like there's like yeah and it's kind of like no it's got to be spent on projects related to right 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 and so that's that's going to be my next chapter is figuring out how do I accept the gift of the people contributing monetarily to right, this right and come to peace with accepting the hustle right you know accepting that at some point being a professional means I have to support myself yeah yeah, that's funny because I am on this Comedy Central show that's coming out called Corporate, and it is like essentially about like an evil corporation and how all the employees are basically pawns, and like in capitalism, you essentially tr- truly have no free will because you're all complicit within the system. And I was talking to one of the leads of the show who who also co-wrote it, and he was just saying like. Yeah, it's kind of this thing of like we all live within this system that's like truly horrific in a lot of ways. But some people like, quote unquote, learn to love the bomb and sort of like thrive within it. And then other people kind of define themselves by like working against it. So it is like not that you have to make peace with it, but you do have to like acknowledge that it is there and you have to like either work around it or work through it or work with it in a way where you can still sleep at night, you know? Yeah. It's, it's complicated. It's like, like you don't have to love it, but you can't deny it. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Uh, and there's a ton of people who are really doing it ethically. Right. right. And, but yeah, it, it's tough. And it, it's, yeah. Anytime I say, I think it should be this way. I'm not in reality. Yeah, it, yeah, know, yeah. I, I've basically labeled should as you should examine, like oh. you should examine why you're using should. Right. You know, right, because right. it isn't, it's like, so what it should be. I know. You, you know, because it isn't. So, because you know how the world should <laughs> work. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, it is, it's strange. It, it is strange. So, I don't want to cut this short, but I do have to go to this. Yeah. You, well, you got to maintain your relationship. I do. This is so important human. to my girlfriend. I, it, <laughs> we had a little uh, talk. She had to chew me out a little bit this morning oh, because no. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to this wedding. It's a, it's a whole reason I'm here. I, <laughs> right, I, right, the, right, right. You know, I, I uh, got a bunch of people to interview, so... I could use business money to, to pay. Oh, right. Yes, you know, yes. Because I otherwise, that. Yeah. if it were just for a personal trip, I could never Couldn't. pay myself. Yeah. <laughs> right, know? right, right. Um, of course. And uh, I, I got to this, you know, I just wasn't paying attention. You know, I was just too wrapped up in my own world to realize that I was like making a big deal of the fact that I was willing to do this. Mm-hmm. But at no point was I pretending to enjoy it. Oh, and no. so she had to pull me aside and be like, if you want to complain, complain to your friends, right. you know, like, just let me have this illusion. Yeah. You know, let me yeah. just, just pretend like you're showing up and right. enjoying yourself. And that's, if you want to make me happy, that's really what's going to. Oh. And so I had to go, Oof, gosh, all right, reset. Let's. I know. <laughs> yeah. Which I think if you're a compulsive screwer upper, like I am, you get, right. you get really good at the resets. I think that's a good skill. Yeah. To be like, okay, you know, let's, let's forgive yourself for that. Oh, yeah, that's a big one, giving uh, myself grace. So I like to end it with this kind of question is, if you could talk to a younger version of yourself, or if you could Mm -hmm. talk to a young person who is feeling lost, or just anyone who's feeling lost, or what would your message be? I mean, it's called How to Human. So like, what what are the best tidbits of information you'd want to share to either teach them or remind them of what's true? Um, I think 
I think I maybe knew this early on, but it just took me a long time to actually try to practice it. But I think no matter where you're going, I think like being kind to yourself goes a long way and it ends up, if you're kind to yourself, I think you're kinder to other people. And, but I think it starts internally. And I think a lot of people think the way to motivate themselves is through like shame or guilt. And I think that ultimately does not work out. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Hey, so my name's Kathleen and there's no right way to say this. And I don't really say it out loud often, but uh, last fall I went through a pretty serious suicidal episode. And honestly, I think what got me through it was telling other people who I knew didn't agree with the part of my brain that was telling me that I shouldn't be around anymore and promising them that I would stay around. I promised my best friend I'd stay around till my birthday. And after that, I just got really strict about what I let in my life. I don't talk to people who make me feel bad. If people are in my life that don't help me feel loved anymore then I don't see them or talk to them and it sounds basic but it works it doesn't make things perfect but it protects my brain which just has a really hard time wanting to be here so yeah what a fucking weird thing to talk about out loud that beautiful message was from one of our contributors Kathleen who wrote a story about having a heartbreak a nervous breakdown and running away to live on a camper on an island for a while. It's called Test Tube, and I hope you enjoy it if you check it out. That's it for today. Remember to be really kind to yourself and really kind to the ones you love. Pay attention to the little things. They matter. For more of Aparna, please check out the show notes. All of her social media is there, as well as she goes on tour in August, and I'm sure you'd love to see her in person. I hope you have a great day, and until next time, this is Sam Lamott, and this is the How to Human Podcast.